Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have our friend um, Dick Foth back with us on the podcast for a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we'll jump into our interview with Dr. Chip Dodd, where we discuss needs of the heart and those needs of, of belonging and um doing a work that matters and um, just really enjoyed our time with, with Dr. Chip and uh, a blessing to have him. Dick, looking forward to the next, next session of Back Channel with Folk. Me too. All right, Dick, got two more questions um, that listeners um, sent in. Other than Jesus and Paul, who is your favorite person from the Bible? And could you give us a few reasons why you would choose that person? Boy, it's hard to choose a favorite, isn't there? There's an old book called Find Yourself in the Bible, and I can, you know, you identify with certain people. But I would I would say probably um, the kid with the lunch and the feeding of the 5,000. Hmm. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle included in all four Gospels. And it has to do with provision. But the, this unique piece about this kid and I've sort of made up a story about this kid. He's 10 years old. 10 is the perfect age from my perspective. He's, he's just, I'm sure he's not alone. I'm sure he's with buddies. And his mom says, here, Ezra, here, here's a little piece of cloth. Put a few dried fish in there. Go. And, and the thing about the kid that's so cool to me is um, it's natural. He's just there. You know, he's, he's, he's going where the action is. He is a, uh, He's got a sense of adventure, obviously, and he's following Jesus. I think those things go together. Yeah. Following Jesus is an adventure, and it's based in, in my natural world. I have a friend who's a musician who wrote a musical, and he included this kid in the musical. This kid hmm. walks out, starts singing. If you'd have been there when he borrowed my lunch, you'd have believed him too. Wow. And, and, uh, I, I imagine this kid is a grandparent with little kids on his knees and them saying, Grandpa, tell us that tell us that time that you were following that Jesus person and that thing he did with your life. Tell us yeah. that again. Yeah, it's so good. that's good. I think I think it shaped his whole life, obviously. Oh, for sure. And the impact. And it's interesting, you know, you take that that we just see that one snippet of, of in time, but this you highlighting what as a grandfather what that looked like and um, obviously the impact that Jesus had on his life and the impact that, that it carried on from there. So great. That was not what I was ex- expecting. And, um, but that's why we like to have back channel with both because we get uh, gold that we were not expecting. So appreciate that. Second question. Um, how have you learned to walk with someone as they battle um, to overcome a, a sin or a struggle in their life? And what have you found works um, and um, is productive or beneficial and what is not beneficial? Well, I probably learned, learned to walk with somebody who's struggled the most by walking with me. You know, hmm. <laughs> we all have struggles in our life. But I, but I look at people who help me and then turn around and re- reproduce that, right? So I think, first of all, being in a close enough relationship with them that they trust you with their challenges mm. is a key. So when we talk about walking with somebody, 
That's the key. I have to be close enough in for that to happen. Secondly, helping them see, um, asking the Lord to help us help them see and say, why don't, why don't we stand over here? Step over here with me just, just a couple of paces. Now look at this situation and your life and the impact um, from this perspective and see, see what it looks like from here. I think the I think the thing that challenged me when I was in DC was I would take people down to walk the monument, you know, go at night, go around yeah. it. And you stand on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and look down the reflecting pool and Washington Monument, you see all these things. You see Vietnam and Korea and the White House and all these things. And you say, Wow, that's quite a view. But if you move 20 or 30 feet either direction from being right on axis with the reflecting pool out from behind the Washington Monument comes the U.S. Capitol building. Hmm. And it's a totally different view. I think the challenge in working with somebody who's struggling with things is helping them have a different view. Wow. And secondly, being willing to tell them the truth about the situation. Don't... Hmm. You can you can uh, you can confront issues without destroying the person. Yeah. And Jesus comes along, affirms my person. He says, "Look, I'll come be a human like you at Bethlehem," and then he walks me to the cross over time and takes care of my issues. I think that those two pieces are critical in walking with somebody in their struggle. Good deal, deal, and uh, perspective. Great illustration, and um, those are the kind of things that help me remember. Um, appreciate the illustration. So, Dick, always a joy to have you on Back Channel with both, and um, glad to have you back. And, and listeners can continue to send in questions. Um, my email is found in the listener notes, and um, you can send um, those questions to me, and then we curate those, and then we submit those to Dick, and then we get to sit down and learn from him. We're going to go ahead and jump into our interview today with Dr. Chip Dodd. We talk about needs of the heart and um, learn a lot um, from from Dr. Chip, and it's a blessing to have him back on the podcast. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend, Dr. Chip Dodd. And uh, many of you know, in the, he was our first episode in January of 2021. And we talked about the voice of the heart and the spiritual root system. Um, Chip, it's so great to have you with us back again today. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Aaron. I, I'm really glad to be back. It's, it's, really, it's really a blessing. Blessing to me and I hope a blessing to everyone who listens to your work. Amen. And um, we learned so much from you last time on um, spiritual root system and voice of the heart. And um, today we're going to talk about needs of the heart. And um, it was a, a book that I've read uh, multiple times and uh, got the hard copy. Normally I just uh, stick with a Kindle copy of a book, but that one I got a hard yeah. copy cause, so I could underline it yeah. and, and keep it. Could you share about this second, um, second root of the spiritual root system? Yes. And, you know, even as we prayed before we began our, our talk today, you know, in terms of our God who, who makes us strong and resilient, our God who gives us the strength to press on. And every single one of your listeners, I mean, we're called to a purpose. 
and we want to fulfill that purpose. But we sometimes forget that it's God who makes us strong and courageous. It's God who gives us our resilience, right? It's not some special category we create for ourselves. And so um, the neediness that we have is what we take to the tent of God for him in relationship to supply us. So he is, he is the one who makes us strong and courageous, which assumes then that we come to him in need so that we can be blessed with the strength we need. So that, that's kind of where the whole thing starts, that, that, that uh, we, we humans tend to be greatly strong in the idea of mastering skills, but we tend to be really kind of ashamed or even uh, hesitant to be vulnerable with mastering neediness. Hmm. So needs are real. They're, they're a real thing beyond food, water, shelter, and clothing. Yeah. So why do you think we're hesitant to express our neediness? Is there your years of experience? Why do you think we're so hesitant to do, to express our neediness? Well, you know, what's amazing is, you know, uh, almost, uh, in fact, I'm doing a Sunday school class right now called embracing, uh, gratitude and joy. And, um, in spite of what the world tells us that we manufacture that, it's actually something that occurs through our needing. For example, the bleeding woman, uh, the sinful woman in Luke 7, the bleeding woman in Mark uh, 5, uh, Bartimaeus the blind man in Mark 10, the centurion. And we go down the list of, uh, of all the, 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 you know, the stated Jesus's connection, Jesus's miracle working in people's lives. Even when everyone was touching Jesus, only the bleeding woman received his power. And what she brought to him was obviously something that, that other people around uh, him weren't bringing. And I think she brought her needy heart. She brought her vulnerability. She brought her even desperation. She brought her powerlessness. She brought how she was born. Hmm. She brought something she couldn't run away from anymore. And you know, as a, as a medical expert, um, when a, when a baby's born, we're born obviously God, and we're literally born crying out, reaching out, and then taking in. Yeah. I mean, we're born literally looking for who's looking for us. And you know, too, Aaron, before we ever eat our first bite, so to speak, we drink, before we drink the mother's care, the mother's milk, mother's milk, we actually drink the mother's care. Hmm. In other words, we're reaching for her connection we're reaching for the caregiver's connection then we eat food hmm. and we know that there's a tremendous amount of work of things that occur in a human being when they connect relationally and it turns out that god has created us as people who find fulfillment connection the fullest sozo s-o-z-o i came to give life and life to the full that is that happens through a, a relational connection hmm. with even ourselves, others, and God. And so when we grow up, we're not made to leave behind the cry out, the reach out, or the taking in. Hmm. And Jesus even says, hey, when you grow up in Matthew 7, uh, ask so that you shall receive, seek so that you can find, and then knock so the door will be opened unto you. It's almost like he said, don't forget how I made you. But what happens is in the world, this powerlessness we're born into, which means powerless over our neediness, that we're made to need, made to need the needs we're going to talk about. But the world starts, just simply put, denigrating how we're hmm. created, rejecting, and then pride takes the place of God's creation, uh, self-will. 
even intellectual prowess uh, over, overcomes how God created us to, to live in relationship. So, I mean, needy needs make us vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, needs make us open to be wounded. Needs make us people who can f- experience the sting of rejection. Needs make us people who can get mocked. Hmm. Even like when somebody says, you know, I- I'm called to be a missionary. Somebody can turn around and say, well, you know, the Lord called me, he may, she may say. The Lord called me. Oh, what did he call you to? What, hmm. What's he called you about? Oh, did he call you on the phone? Oh, did he call you like, what'd you do, have a vision? I mean, I mean that mockery, uh, in spite of our faith and belief, can be a sting. It can be an arrow that pierces. And the closer the person is to you, I mean, the more you love them or need them or want them, the more it hurts. For sure. You know, so, so we tend to put armor around, uh, build an armor around us of our own making versus, uh, you know, having the armor of God from Ephesians. You know, because the armor of God really makes us stand, you know, even vulnerable. Yeah, that's a bit much there, but but the world teaches us to run from ourselves, to run from how God made us. Become ashamed. Become ashamed. And as I jumped into the to the book and, and read it, um, look back over it, you talk about two two essential needs. And um, honestly, as, as a missionary, me, one, you arrive, you go to a field, those two, those two needs just really jumped out to me because I think those are the things that you struggle with, honestly, in the beginning days, years, struggling with the most. And the first one you talk um, is belonging. And you say that it's it's vital, but often I think it, it can feel so elusive. And so what is the importance of belonging um, when it comes to a need? You know, that's so, you know, the our first podcast we did is that we really looked into that we are created as emotional and spiritual creatures. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, witnessed by birth mm-hmm. and then witnessed by the continuation of how we're made to grow. We have to need to grow. But if you have feelings, you're going to have needs. Hmm. And then it turns out that one of the, the, the and, and even the evolutionary biologists are recognizing what the Bible has been telling us. Um, but that human beings in, the, in, the, in the, the, the world of the evolutionary biologists, that human beings are created to have, they have a biological imperative to uh, connect with each other for the very sake of survival. Hmm. And then it turns out that this connection also ends up doing something internally. It makes us bond with each other. And so the two most powerful needs that we have is that one is the need to belong and the need to matter. So powerful that it's, it's, it's as pa- more powerful or equally as powerful as food, water, shelter, and clothing. Hmm. For example, a, a child will leave the table of food, so to speak, to go look for their daddy or their mama. Yeah. And, and children will even give up their identity of their tears, their identity of their fears that God has given them to, to bond with him in prayer. They will give up their um, need for attention. They will sacrifice their, their security and go do dangerous things like walk into a bar to go find their daddy. You know, the need to belong. And the need to belong is for the parental affirmation in the beginning, to the parental affirmation that says, you matter, you, you, you are acceptable to me as you are created. Mm. You're acceptable, and I affirm you, and I confirm you, 
I love the way you're created. You can bring your hurts, your sadness, your joys, your fears. You can bring your expression of how you're created to me. And the feelings, like if I wake up in the night as a child and I'm afraid, immediately I go look for who's going to keep me safe. So that fear ends up creating a feeling of, of need. I know that my fear says ask for help. So I go look for what help's going to be. Mm. And that's security. Hmm. But but it all starts with I have a inborn right to go find it because I belong. Hmm. My fear is going to matter. My fear is going to be heard. And then I'll be accepted as I am. So belonging is the primary need of being accepted how I'm created. Hmm. Not how I made myself, but how I'm created hmm. as a person who feels and needs and desires and longs and hopes. Wow. And I think that is, as you see, when, you know, you get to whatever field you're serving at, normally you look different, you talk different and um, belonging in that culture, you stick out. And, um, and then you're maybe working with a team that you're trying to figure out how you belong in that team. And as you say, you have the right, because you're part of that, that I think can be destabilizing for, for many of us as we, you arrive on the field and that searching for that sense of belonging. And what happens if you don't, find that sense of belonging or you don't a child you talked about a child that doesn't feel that what happens if that sense of belonging is not met and that need is not met what, what you know what happens is that that the need to belong is so powerful that you're going to find a way to experience it one way or another hmm. and so you'll either experience it as you were born to have it or you'll experience it in some impaired or illegitimate form Hmm. You will sacrifice your identity. You'll agree with things you don't really agree with. You'll partner up with people who aren't fit to be with you. You will lower your expectations, reduce your hopes, all in the name of, and then you become ashamed about what, what you had thought was going to be in the mission world. So being, being a person who can need God deeply is going to be important so that you can go in prayer, you know, knowing that he, he uh, cares for the oppressed and he meets with those who are, are alone and we can bring our full complaint hmm. before God. And he will hear us. And at the same time, we can pray like David does in the beginning of Psalm 10. It's like, why do you not speak to me? Why do you not answer me? So when that need to belong is not being met, we either get vulnerable with it, like even getting with the mission team and saying, look, I've got a lot of fear yeah. about being here, even though I know what I'm called to. And I know that we don't have the same culture, hmm. but I know we are the same people hmm. that all of us are created by God as emotional, spiritual creatures. And I want to belong with you. I don't want our cultures to create a stop us from our creativity. Hmm. I don't want our cultures to stop us from seeing our sameness. Hmm. Uh, and all good. of a sudden, that level of vulnerability, immediately for those who are willing or those who are available, in other words, that, that how God created them is more important than the culture, they're going to be putting down some of their defenses. Hmm. Or it's going to rile them up. I mean, we, we talk about it so much. When a person tells the truth like that, they're presenting the fragrance of God. Yeah. So either it's going to be repulsive, you know, <laughs> or attractive, you know, yeah. the fragrance of life or death. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 
The second, the second one you, you shared was belonging was the first one. The second one is mattering, um, yeah. mattering and the importance of that. How does that, what does mattering look like? And is that yeah. mattering for what you do or is that mattering for, for who you are? Is God created or is there a difference between the two? Yes. You know, the need to belong is to be accepted as I'm created as a creature who is, uh, who, who is, who feels and needs and desires and longs and hope. In other words, and the expression of that. In other words, it's pure expression, not it's reactive expression. For example, if I'm afraid, I need to say I'm afraid. Okay. Not I'm a, not the, act out on it and re, be reactive or rageful or highly anxious and so on. I need to admit I feel afraid. So, but that and, and that assumes that someone's going to hear it because we're created for connection. So, hmm. I'm afraid is a reach out to God or it's a reach out to a person. So, the need to belong is addressed when that's simply heard. So that's like, that creates connection. And that need to belong, when it's met, creates contentment, connection, and a sense of increased strength. It, it encourages us, okay? Because, I mean, you know, pity the man who falls in a ditch and there's no one there to help him up. For sure. In fact, for all, of, all the people in, that, in, in the world you're speaking into, the longer the list of people they have that they can connect with or contact, the more secure they are, the more they that need to belong is met. Okay. Now the need to matter though, is a person who has recognized what they're naturally drawn to that they like to participate in. I mean, I, I really believe, and I, I believe this with all my heart that, that, that God really does knit us together in our mother's wombs and he knits us specifically. That means we literally come out of the womb with certain, I call them drifts. Mm -hmm. A drift towards music, a drift towards introspection, a drift towards movement, a drift towards healing, a drift, you know, and you can go down the list. It becomes vocation. But it's that thing we're drawn to that we kind of tend to think about a lot. And we need that affirm. We need that groan. We need like, you know, raise up a child based upon the bent of the child. And when the child is older, they will not depart from how God made them as basically. We're stewards more than we are molders, you know, as parents. And that's an important thing. We're stewards more than we're molders. Right? Because the child it, it is God's clay, not ours. Hmm. And so we steward what God is doing. We don't, we don't put them in a, in a vice and squeeze them into, you know, a, a certain pattern. <laughs> that's called cut out cookies, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, paying attention to, yeah, paying attention to what uh, the child's drift is and feeding that. And so mattering, though, is being able to give the gifts that we have in us to a world in need. So mm. everyone on the mission field is gifted. They're called, and, 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 and they, they're called to it, but they also have a need to be able to give it and to be have that affirmed and recognized as having been done. Now, what's so wild is a lot of times in the mission field, you may work for, you know, uh, six months and there be no reward, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and then do wonder what you're doing there. Do struggle with uh, nothing happening. Do pour out your needs instead of pretending, well, it's coming, it's coming. Let your prayers be known and, and to the, the, the people, whoever, whomever you're with and God, but you ask the question, does it matter? In other words, is there fruit? So mattering is being affirmed or confirmed for 
what we bring and then we wish for it to produce some fruit. Yeah. And then we know, you know, you know, all is well. You have God, thank you for blessing me with this person. Thank you for giving me this experience. Uh, I, I see that this little seed I planted has grown. Mm. And then we know that our gifts were received. Yeah. So mattering in a grown-up version is being recognized that we can see that our gifts have been received. That's good. It's not that I'm on stage and there are a thousand people clapping for me. It's that I'm so grateful that my gifts have been received. Good. And I think that's, you know, as you, you arrive, a lot of times you're learning a new language, you're learning a new culture, and those giftings and talents that you said that God has knitted us together, those unique things that we have, a lot of times we're, we're not able to use them as much because if you can't, it's hard to, when you can't communicate, it's hard when you can't speak the language, it's hard when you don't know the culture and you think and learning how your giftings and talents, and I think that can lead to, to some of the frustration. So I, when I talked, when I read that belonging mattering, man, it just resonated, both of those really resonated resonated with me because um, I know um, the people listening into this podcast, some of them have been on the mission field six months, a year, two, three years. And that sense of belonging and that sense of um, that need of belonging, that need of mattering, um, you know, sometimes the enemy can uh, come and attack us where um, in those areas, because you, you don't belong and what you're doing is not, you're not making any difference. It's not mattering. And um, that can lead to frustration. And, um, and then people, people go home. And, um, and that's, that's, you know, discouraging. You share also that the more we offer ourselves, the more we have to be refilled. What are some reasons you think that maybe care providers or missionaries or pastors or, or that we, um, sometimes we refuse to acknowledge that we have this need, um, to be refilled? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, because we're not God. Uh, we need God. And we know that without God, and then also others, the way he meets needs, uh, we're in trouble. We're, we're, we're empty vessels with a giant echo within us, right? So think of a human being as a pitcher that something can be poured into. You know, the, the good and noble heart, the pitcher that's available can be poured into and then poured out. And so anything that's poured out has to be refilled. Hmm. And so even using the example of courage, there's a word called encouraged. Now, courage means full-hearted participation, which means I belong, I matter, I'm going, I'm giving, okay? Hmm. I belong, hmm. I matter, I'm going, I'm giving, okay? So courage is full-hearted participation. I'm all in. Even though I'm scared, I'm going. Even though there may be difficulties, I'm going. <laughs> so that's kind of a passion, a willingness to be in pain for something that matters more than pain. So when you, when you take that courage into the, let's just say the battlefield or the workplace or whatever it happens to be, you're pouring out a level of energy and focus and you're pouring out desire and you're, and you're reaching out in vulnerability, all of which takes a toll. Okay, so even in the good times, you could, your body and heart will still get tired. But there's a word called when the courage wanes, you become discouraged. That means you lack heart, okay? And so therefore you need encouragement to fill up the tank so you can press forward, okay? And so encouragement, amazingly, Aaron, 
just think about when, um, you know, even in that, 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 that Ecclesiastes I referred to, pity the man who falls in a ditch and there's no one there to help him up. You know, pity the Good Samaritan story. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. The Good Samaritan, by the way, was a person who knew wounds, yeah. who had to have known vulnerability, who had to have known rejection, who knew what it was like to be human and to not belong and matter. Hmm. Somewhere along the line, he got a healing. Yeah. And he became the, the man of means. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he, he obviously had a sense of belonging and mattering. And then he saw a man in a ditch and he didn't just recognize that there was somebody who needed his help. He recognized himself hmm. because he said that he saw the man, which means he received him inside. And he also had compassion, which means that he recognized what it would feel like to be that man. Yeah. Okay. So now let's go back to courage. When two people sit down together, or when we sit down with God and, 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 and in solitude beseech him, when two people sit down together and one person's, like say, struggling, and the other person says, I want you to know that I have been in the ditch that you're in today, hmm. and I want you to know it is a very scary place, and it is painful. And I've wondered all kinds of things. I've wondered sometimes if God had quit on me until I realized that blah, 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 whatever the story holds. And but you don't, you're not fixing that other person. You're just relating to them. And that's yeah. where we get the word relationship, being able to relate, which yeah. means empathize, which means stories that have feelings in it and experience of life. You're not fixing this person. You're helping this person. Now, what happens, Aaron, is amazing. <clears throat> the person who's hearing will leave that meeting without an injection of morphine, without any drug or cocaine, you know, so to speak, right. without a drink of water. Yeah. They will walk away filled, quenched. They will be better. Hmm. And you have to want how? You know, how did it happen? It happened by one person relating and sharing their heart, not their best advice only, but their heart with another person, and it literally does something inside the person who hears. And just like we talked about birth, you come out looking for who's looking for you. The heart is made to search for its needs to be filled. So it ends up having the passion to go forward, to give what we're called to give by being knitted together as mother's womb, to offer it to a world in need. We're born gifted and there's a world in need. That's good. So yeah, I, I hope I hope that I know it's a bit long, but I mean it's so real, and I'm, yeah. it, it's these are facts. Now this is not you know my hypothesis. It's not biblical poetry. This is these are facts. Yeah. It's biblical facts. That's no, true. And I think because of our pride, a lot of times and our embarrassment, we're, we because we're delivering God, we think that therefore we we must not be human. Hmm. And God is very clear, the more human you are, the more my strength is in you. Wow, wow that's good. And I think that segues into my, my next uh, question for you. You talk about circles of security. And yeah. um, what, what, is it, what is a circle of security? And um, why, why is a circle of security, why is that paramount in our life? Well, I tell you what, just, just as a, a little bitty preface, I want you to know that there, there are five uh, pitfalls that I've seen people in leadership 
uh, drop into, whether it's the mission field, the boardroom, or the operating room. When, when, when a leader's work begins to be associated with his or her worth, when, when if you're working, you're worth something. If you're in prayer, you're not. Okay? If your work and worth become mixed up, then what happens next a lot of times, you're only as good as your last performance. Performance matters more than your family. Wow. Okay? Performance matters more than your marriage. Yeah. And then performing for your spouse matters more than your prayer time. I mean, in other words, you, your personhood, your own needs being met and attended to matter less. I mean, a great, a famous story. Well, just I, I'll go on. But um, and then thirdly, what happens? So work matters more than worth. Performance matters more than your person. And then people become objects. People become problems instead of relationships. Hmm. They, you see a person or get a phone call. It's like, who's calling me now? Who's needing me now? Because you're already drained. And then what happens is self-cures begin to occur. We try to find our personal relational connection, the need to belong and matter in ways that are impaired from, you know, from porn to peyote to uh, work addiction to um, fantasizing about, you know, leaving the field, whatever it happens to be that cure, that soothes us. And then at that point, we're isolated from others and God. Hmm. So those are the pitfalls we have to watch out for and how that is remediated or how we make sure that never even happens is through a circle of security. Hmm. And we're, we all need to be secure. We all need to be able to feel confident about having a place to go back to after we go out and do our risk with yeah. wherever we're made to go. We got to have a home base, you know, yeah. and, and hide and go seek home base where you were free. But <laughs> you made it to home base. And so that circle of security is our home base. And, yeah. and, and G- Jesus had a circle of security. In other words, he had his go-to, super close go-to guys. Hmm. I think it was James and John and, and Peter. You know, they were they were the inner circle. Yeah. So a circle of security is a place where you can really put down your 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 strength for others and say, I'm in need. You can struggle, you can be in pain and sadness. Also, you can absolutely unabashedly celebrate. In other words, you can completely and utterly be yourself without watching anything or anyone. Because you know for sure that person you belong with and you matter to them. They're not using you for your gifts and they're not judging you for your uh, struggles. So that circle of security is that place where you can truly, um, uh, absolutely uh, not watch as you are feeling and needing. Wow. And so do you, is that something that uh, somebody listening in today, is that something that you have found that, um, we have to be intentional about is, does it naturally happen? Um, is it something we have to seek out just in your experience? How does, how does a circle of security, how does that come together? You know, that's a great question. I think a lot of times there's an affinity, which means two people are drawn to the same fire, so to speak, but that affinity still has to be spoken. So you're going to naturally sort of like, man, I, I like that guy. I like, I like being around him or, yeah. Or I would like being around him if he didn't put up such a, you know, a, a, a teaching mask every second of the day, even with yeah. me. So we to, to lean into that affinity means to speak our hearts to each other, wow. to find out if that thing can grow. 
if mm. if it turns out you're not just drawn to the fire, it turns out you're drawn to each other, even when there's no yeah. fire. That's good. So yeah, so the circle of security comes with a risk of admission of need. Hmm. And so we, you know, Aaron, you know, we, we didn't even define needs, but guys, we got to face that God has wired us to find fulfillment in relationship. He didn't wire us to find fulfillment in coffee cake hmm. and good beef. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, it's, it's, there's the, the stuff isn't it. It's each other. Yeah. You know, we're made to find nourishment through each other in relationship with him. So our needs are beyond food, water, shelter, and clothing. A need is something, though, that you have to have touched or fulfilled or you will die. Hmm. And so isolation is our walking death hmm. in this world, um, which means to be removed from relationship, your heart being known by others and God. Wow. You're just going through the motions instead of filling up the motions with your heart, your courage, your passion, your gifts, your strengths. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And did you talk, uh, you share about the, the need of sexuality. And so um, this one, you know, I thought, well, how's he going to address this need of sexuality? Where's it going to go? But I loved how you framed it. Um, you, sh you share that both men and women hide their vulnerabilities under performance power. What does that, what does performance power, what did you mean by performance power and how do we hide un, under performance power? You know, one, one of the things is, you know, that by the time uh, it's a leadership pitfall and a marriage is a, a double leadership. I mean, leading, you know, leading in my own call, call to be a spouse, call to be in the mission, call to be a support, call to be in all those things. But the performance power is, I am, I belong and matter when I do these certain things. Mm. Performance power is it's not me this person wants to be with. It's what I do that mm. makes them love me. So that's performance power. Okay. And so the sexuality is, is feeling confident and comfortable in your skin as a woman or as a man. And uh, what happens is that if, um, especially in marriages, if, if the, the woman doesn't experience herself as chosen, mm. which, which is the ultimate security, okay. you're the one and only, I will never leave you nor forsake you, uh, I, 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 I have, uh, uh, this is the reason I fight, basically. Yeah. Yeah. This is the reason I leave this house and go with every intention of coming back, you are, you are much of what makes it all worth it. Okay. Yeah. What happens is that that, that covenant, that security grows her heart. Hmm. And so therefore she becomes a more and more grown and mature woman. In other words, and if she has a door open to that, that means that she, her sexuality is being affirmed. Hmm. Then she never has to have, have to become the spouse's mother or mistress. Hmm. Because what happens is if the woman's heart is not grown, if she's not allowed to need and speak and hunger and thirst and be vulnerable and be strong and be decisive and be opinionated and be heard, all those things, then what happens is she still needs to belong and matter, but she has to reduce her roles to try to get her needs met in the way that she's allowed. Okay. 
And, and, and with, with the, in the marriage, it always ends up becoming either you're going to be a mistress or a mother or both. And so then what happens is the man's needs aren't really met, although they may, be, they may be met by performance, but they're not met by relationship. And, and so, so what happens is that he can get patted on the head, you know, good boy, or, or he can get uh, you know, treated with uh, amusement, sexual amusement that really it doesn't touch his heart, but it's, it, it touches the visual aspects of, of, of life. Or, and it touches, frankly put, orgasm, but it doesn't touch what orgasm's about. It's yeah. about love. Okay. Yeah. So, so the man's sexuality is affirmed in a relationship by going away from home and doing whatever mission is called to. I, I don't mean to get too, too local, locked into gender bias, but I want you to know that there's sort of a form for this because the man's need for security is really met uh, and, and an affirmation of sexuality is actually meant for being adored or being hmm. firm. So she craves uh, security. He craves affirmation. Hmm. And both of them need for belonging and matters met in that way. Wow. Okay. So, but, but, but what's amazing is in a, in a relationship, marriage relationship, she can only uh, do certain things that, Men need uh, other men's affirmation to confirm them in terms of comfort in their skin. Do I, do I bring enough to this? Can you trust me? Would you pick me to ride the trail with you? Is, am I somebody that you believe in? Hmm. That, that is often met through other men. Say, yes, I, I want you to come with me. We're made to do this together. Wow. And women wow. need other women yeah. to affirm their sexuality their sexuality so the need for sexuality is not sex okay it's it's being helped to feel uh comfortable and confident in my skin i am woman i am man and god has made me like this to live fully and to be able to share my confidence and my care my comfort with you to be completely vulnerable with each other so you, you, you shared that men, they feel that sense of belonging is through affirmation and females is through what, what how did you say? Security. Security. Yeah. But it's still the same need to belong and matter though. Okay. See, yeah, it's the same need to belong and matter is there, but how that's met in a man or woman is a slightly different. That, wow. that, that the, the woman's need for belonging and matter mostly is met through security and his is met through mostly affirmation. There are other words for it, but those are the most closest I have found. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I've taken more of your time than I, than I asked, but I'm going to ask one more question if that's okay with you. Yeah. You mentioned that each of us, um, we're, all, we're going to need six pallbearers. Yeah. How do you define the difference between a pallbearer and someone who carries our casket? I, I love, love that question because what it assumes, hopefully – as that it's a long life lived and not just lived a long life, but it's a long <laughs> life lived to the full. Okay. Sure. And uh, uh, when you, you have a life long lived, then, then what happens is that means you've impacted people and you've met people and you have run into several people who, you know, if you fall in that ditch, they're coming because they, they know you from the inside out. 
They've shared the memories of life with you. You've had affinity with each other. You have belonged and mattered to each other. Um, and we know that good things happen to people who are known from the inside out. And so, so when that time comes, when you pass away, you, the ultimate affirmation of you having poured your life out to others is that six people in your life uh, can tell the stories of who you were, not just what you did. They can tell the stories of their memories and what they felt like. Wow. And that ends up being not a eulogy for the person, but a continuing testimony of love given to a world in need. That's and good. that ends up being something that inspires others. In other words, you're still on the mission field after death through the men or w w women even who carry your casket yeah. uh, to the grave because they tell the stories that uh, say, come, come this way, walk this way. It, 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 these are the things that can happen in your life. So you need uh, people who actually knew you. Yeah. And if you're fortunate, you'll have six. Yeah. And the reason I say that, there's a dear friend of mine. His father worked for a company 37 years, Aaron, and uh, died literally uh, eight months after retiring. Hmm. And he had was a, a stalwart professional. And but when 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 he passed away, my friend Phil had to go find four people in his own church to carry his father's casket. Wow. He had no friends. Wow. And so he had some, he got the pallbearers, but he had, he did not have uh, people to carry his casket who knew him. Wow. Wow. And that's mm -hmm. to me, that's, that's scary. It is. It is. He may have been, a, he may, have, may as well have been a, a, a machine that was simply put out in the junkyard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man, man. Well, Chip, I really appreciate you spending some time again with us today on Needs of the Heart. I'd love to have you come back again um, as we look to the future. Will you pray for us today that God yes, will use and, and God, Aaron, will, God will use um, what you've shared with us um, to impact our hearts and lives today? Yes, thank, thank you. Now, I was uh, sorry, I interrupted. But I, mm -hmm. Thank you for the invitation. I, I so want the people who are just quote feeding the world yeah. unquote uh the richest food that could possibly be received even though many people will sit at the banquet table and not take it they'll go yeah. back and keep it in porridge i just I, I i i am inspired to help them remain inspired so thank you for your invitation to to just speak with you yeah. and even though it may frustrate people or comp you know seems complicated get get the book the needs of the heart it's yeah. And just read it and then practice facing it. Yeah. Because there's no such place as a way. There's no place we're going to go that can get away from how God made us. That's true. That <laughs> or true. ultimately our calling, you know. So, yes, I, I'll pray. But thank you. Thank you for your invitation. My Heavenly Father, I, I, I thank you again for Aaron and what he's doing. He has a, a heart that's made strong by you. And he has a resilience that I do not believe he would claim is based upon his own. Uh, makings, but they come from you. And I believe that um, he drinks from the well where the free gift of living water is. And I believe he drinks from it daily because if he fills his bucket, he can drink from it and pour it out. Also, there's plenty there. I pray for everyone on the mission field who's hearing this podcast or anyone who's not on the mission field and still hearing the podcast 
that they will take something from it, that it will be a food that will nourish their hearts by arousing hope or rekindling longings to continue to fight for love in a place where it seems like no one's interested in it, that they will continue to uh, uh, gather up the desire that is in them and not run from it, even though it seems to be sometimes useless, that they will listen to the desire and even pray, God, you put this in me. And because you put it in me, um, th then do your work with me. Those who delight in you, you give them the desires of their heart. So either take it from me or God, show me where you want it to go and show me some fruit from it. I pray that that be the prayer of the person who's struggling and also that you give them evidence of your answered prayer. I also pray that you awaken people to their, their needs and, and let us be blessed by our neediness instead of run from it in pride. And I pray that when the, the heart is in struggle, that uh, the person who will listen to how you made them, that our heads and our hearts will connect and that we'll use our heads to be able to articulate what's happening in our hearts so that we can be known by each other and even experience a, a, an intimacy with you that cannot happen otherwise. So I pray that we face how you made us and we not run from it, but we live into it so we can experience what you said you came to give us, life and life to the full. And I pray that we experience sozo, S-O-Z-O from you, and that we end up being an attraction, a lighthouse, a, a place people can come or a place we can go to so that we can pour out who you are to them and that we all be blessed by that. Come quickly, Lord. And thank you for your, your, your salvation, your lordship, and that you meet our needs. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.